Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Tuesday, October the 2nd edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, the pro football-focused advanced data from that beat down in Foxborough. We revisit that. Plus, injuries are piling up, and how can this team mitigate some of those issues? And also, we'll finish up things by going over the outlook for this team after four weeks into the season. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter, at NFL, the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter, and the show, at LockedOnFins. You can find my other work in spots like Palm Beach Post, FanRag Sports, among others. And of course, LockedOnDolphins.com. The number one blog in the Locked On Network. We just shattered our record in September for most page views. So we appreciate you guys for checking that out. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. And we have some injuries to get to here. But those injuries are part of the story and part of the structure of this podcast. So we're going to skip over Jim Mandich and jump right into things. That's another Miami Dolphins And it looks like two more key players for the Miami Dolphins are going to miss significant time. And the big one is center Dan Kilgore. The offseason acquisition, the swap out for Mike Pouncey is lost to a torn triceps muscle that will make him miss the entire season. Travis Swanson steps in. And the question now becomes, do they slide Ted Larson over to center, which is a more natural position for him, and perhaps try to improve that position but then you leave left guard totally vulnerable because there really isn't a viable option on the roster or on the practice squad. At this point, somebody has to be added to the roster because there isn't a backup guard on the roster at this moment. Connor Hilland and Isaac Asiata, both on the practice squad. Hilland, an undrafted free agent this year, probably a tall ask to get him up and ready to play. Isaac Asiata, I don't want him to get Ryan Tannehill killed because he is very poor at recognizing stunts and pass protection in general. I don't think that's a good idea. Maybe give Anthony Steen a call. He's out there and available. I'm not really sure what you do, but whatever you do, there's going to be a major weakness on this offensive line. And speaking of weaknesses, the Dolphins secondary takes another hit. Bobby McCain has a knee injury that will sideline him for two to three weeks. But even then, who knows how he responds when he gets back and healthy, ready to go, because the knee for a cornerback is so vital to that change of direction and everything a cornerback does in their movement. It's a concern when he comes back. His leadership will also greatly be missed. And the reason I'm suddenly turning somewhat sour on the season is not just the injuries, but where they are occurring. Before the season, I wrote an article about areas this team could not afford major losses via the injury. And while I don't think offensive line and secondary were at the top of that list, the fact is they're losing multiple players at those spots and really testing the strength as well as the depth of those groups. The Josh Sitton injury was okay, I guess, because they had formidable backups in Ted Larson inside as well as one outside in Sam Young. Well, now you have a bad player that enters the lineup in Travis Swanson. There is zero depth behind what they have now, and I don't know. This group just isn't getting better anytime soon. And going back to the secondary, Rashad Jones likely comes back this week, I suppose. He was supposed to be back for the game against the Patriots, but missed that one as well. 
but Bobby McCain goes out just as Rashad Jones comes back in, and that means more work for Torrey McTire, who, for my money, just isn't ready to play right now. He looked really bad in that game, had a bunch of missed tackles. He always seems to be miles away in pass coverage, so now you have a unit of strength that is severely weakened by one guy going out and another guy coming in. So Miami is now down two offensive linemen, both out for the season, two tight ends, one for the season, two defensive linemen, one of them for the season, a pair of special teams linebackers, a starting cornerback for a few weeks, and a wide receiver who, though I have criticized him a lot on this podcast, did have a significant role on this team and actually was a starter before all the injuries started to accrue for Devontae Parker. But This game was a chance to really shift the expectation for this team heading into the quarter pull or the second quarter of the season, I should say. I talked about it all week. This game could have propelled this squad from a wild card type of contender to an actual threat in the AFC playoffs come January. And while I think all the ramblings from Sunday's loss, that blowout loss, were blown way out of proportion, these injury losses, those are not, they are a real thing and all teams deal with it but it all comes down to where the injuries happen and how much into your depth you have to dig to find formidable players to replace those guys because not many teams have a bunch of backups in the wings waiting that are capable of playing. If they were, they'd probably trade them and spend them for assets otherwise. So the Dolphins back in a similar boat as they were last year in regards to the injuries really piling up. Like I said, most teams deal with this, but how does the team respond? Can the Dolphins overcome them? I'll tell you how they might be able to do that as well as the pro football focus data from this blowout loss in Foxborough. We'll do both of those next after a word from my bookie. And while I'm not happy about it, the Dolphins' loss in Foxborough does make me 4-0 picking this team's games straight up and 4-0 picking the games against the spread. And that's why ever since I started this podcast, I get asked for advice all the time, and usually it's which team to bet on. And that's why I'm always urging my listeners to try my bookie. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me, and that's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie where you win and they pay. They have in-game live betting, over-unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. And since my bookie is slammed with new bettors, they want to give everybody the best customer service possible. So if you're willing to deposit your money after 7 p.m. Eastern time, they'll give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar when using promo code Locked On. that's one word, Locked On to activate that offer. Visit MyBookie online today, that's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E, and don't forget to use promo code Locked On when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. Hold out until after 7 p.m. and get that extra $25 free by using promo code LOCKEDON25. Again, one word, LOCKEDON25 for a free $25 free play. It's up to you guys, but if it was me, I'd wait until after dinner and take that extra money with my bookie where you play, you win, you get paid. Segment number two on a Tuesday, October the 2nd podcast. All the doom and gloom surrounding this football team. Despite a 3-1 start, despite being atop the AFC East, everyone is quick to bail on this team. And I know I've given you guys somewhat mixed signals over this podcast talking about the upsides and the downsides of this team through the quarter poll. And we're going to review where this team is at the quarter poll on the other side of the podcast. But 
I wanted to talk about ways the Dolphins can mitigate some of these losses in terms of the injuries to the roster. And the big one being the offensive line play, especially on that interior, where Ryan Tannehill, over the course of his career, has always shown a penchant for playing much better when he trusts that protection up front. But that's not to say they haven't won games in the past with much worse than what they currently have. You guys remember Nate Gardner, Samson Satele, Dallas Thomas, Billy Turner, Craig Urbic, Anthony Steen. There have been a ton of players on the interior of this offensive line that Ryan Tannehill has played very well with and well enough to win games and put W's on that side of the column. And one of the ways you can mitigate that issue is going right back to the quick passing game. The Dolphins' biggest issue on Sunday was trying to attack downfield into six and seven man coverage. The Patriots dropped into coverage and they just had no answer for it, trying to throw into windows that simply weren't really there. Even Tannehill's best throw of the day, that first pass of the day, the completion to Kenny Stills for 22 yards, was into a super tight window and looked like it was going to get picked off before it found its way to Kenny Stills. But one way they can go back to having more success in the passing game and on the offense is just getting the football out of Ryan Tannehill's hands quickly, under two and a half seconds. That has been Adam Gaze's kind of moniker the entire course of his career as a play caller and as a coach. And they changed that this year by going after Josh Sitton and putting money into the offensive guard position, which I thought was a big sign of progress for Adam Gaze. But now he can revert back to what he was in the past, a guy that doesn't really put a whole lot of value into that interior offensive line and gets the football out of the quarterback's hands quickly. And another way you can do that is finding the horizontal stretching portion of this offense. And that is point number two. Remember that the New England Patriots are a masterfully coached team when it comes to taking away what teams do well, and that's what Miami does well. They spread you horizontally, stretch things out, and find holes on the inside to attack, and the Patriots just took that away. The misdirection, the jet sweep, the outside zone, all that stuff was taken away by the Patriots' alignment, by their personnel groupings, and they were also prepared for possible in-game adjustments, and that's why the game got so out of hand and so lopsided that Adam Gaze and his staff just didn't have the adjustments to the Patriots' adjustments. They got outcoached. It happens. It happens all the time in that building with that coach. And the third way to do it is to extend drives and run more plays. We're going to tell you about how bad Miami has been in regards to running enough plays here in just a second, but pushing the defense onto the field for a combined 157 snaps over the last two weeks is simply a losing recipe. This offense has to get better at sustaining drives. It has to do much, much better on first and second down. And a lot of that has to do with the play calling and finding ways to create gaps on those early downs when the defense is more vulnerable to give up stuff underneath. Approach that with a very heavy emphasis on the short passing game. Get back to setting up second and six, third and two, and get back to moving the sticks and extending drives and keeping this defense off the field. Because this offense has been dreadful to begin games and it has to change very, very quickly. And speaking of those slow starts, that rolls right into our next segment covering the data from this game. Some of this data comes from Pro Football Focus. Remember to check them out and subscribe to their website for access to all these stats, grades, and breakdowns. But let's start off with the slow starting offense for the Miami Dolphins and just how dire it has become. Miami ran just 49 offensive plays in this game. They are the only team to dip below 50 snaps more than once this season. 
on offense. And since 2016, teams have run 47 or fewer plays in a game 22 times. Six of those 22 occurrences belong to the Miami Dolphins. The slow starts are just a very telling statistic because since Adam Gaze took over in 2016, Miami is dead last in first quarter scoring and 31st in second quarter scoring and 31st in first half net scoring. But the problem goes beyond that. With Joe Philbin in Miami, they were also the number 32 scoring offense in the first quarter under Joe Philbin's watch. So that has to change, like I mentioned in the previous segment. They just have to get better on first and second down, and that'll help things on early in the game as well. As far as the offensive numbers from the game, a couple of offensive snap counts. Frank Gore had 25 compared to Kenyon Drake's 22. The receivers, actually Danny Amendola had the most this week, 42 for him, 38 for Stills, 36 for Wilson, 31 for Grant. So a very well-balanced attack in terms of who played at receiver. Mike Kosicki had 41 snaps compared to Durham Smythe's two, so a lot of 11 personnel out there. They just couldn't get it going from 11 personnel. And this is the first game of the year where Miami had different linemen come into the game at various points. We saw Dan Kilgore play 16 snaps, Travis Swanson 33, and Juwan James had 29 compared to Sam Young's 27. This team went heavy in terms of personnel a few times, unbalanced offensive line a few times. And all of this led to Ryan Tannehill's worst showing of the season. He was 0 for 6 on plays where he was pressured, just not good enough. The offensive line was an abject nightmare, allowing two pressures apiece for Tunzel, Kilgore, Larson, Young, and Gasecki. Davis and Swanson each had one. No offensive lineman graded better than 55.7 in the run blocking game, according to Pro Football Focus. Those numbers well below league average. Just an absolute nightmare. 56 rushing yards from the offense, and the majority of that coming on the game's final garbage time drive. Simply not good enough. And you go over to the defensive side of the ball with the snap counts. Cam Wake and Robert Quinn had 46 and 45 snaps respectively. That's way too much for those guys. I know they have to play because we had that many snaps, 81 in total for the defense. Kiko Alonso, TJ McDonald, and Minka Fitzpatrick all played 81 snaps. Xavier Howard had 80. Going back to the defensive front, Jonathan Woodard had 37 snaps compared to Charles Harris's 34, which... Man, Charles Harris for him, the clock is starting to, I suppose, start right now as he has done very little in his second year as a professional. The linebackers, Jerome Baker played more than Raekwon McMillan. Baker had 65 compared to McMillan's uh, 54 snaps. And Maurice Smith got in the game for 26 snaps. And the big issue the last two weeks has been missed tackles, part of that Rashad Jones' absence. This team missed 13 tackles on the day, primarily from the secondary. Xavier Howard allowed three catches on three targets for 73 yards and two touchdowns, though I'd argue one of those wasn't really his fault as he got picked illegally on that first touchdown the Patriots scored. Bobby McCain had a good day in coverage, as did Minka Fitzpatrick. But Torrey McTire, he came in for McCain, and he had a really, really rough game in this one. He'd missed three tackles and allowed all three of his targets to be completed for 58 yards passing. TJ McDonald had as many missed tackles as he did tackles. He had three out of four balls caught on him. Raekwon McMillan was absolutely terrible in run defense in regards to his PFF grade. Cam Wake and Robert Quinn each had four pressures, including four hits on Tom Brady, but none of those pressures were sacks. A very, very rough day all the way around for this Dolphins team, and we're about ready to bury this thing and move on to the next game. We have just one more segment covering this Patriots game. We'll do that tomorrow, talking about the All-22, where I'll give you guys a comprehensive review on just what went wrong in this game. Newsflash, it's probably going to be a little bit of everything. And next on the podcast, we're going to close this puppy up with an updated outlook for this team at the quarter poll. And we'll do that next on Locked On Dolphins podcast. But first, a word from Swap.com. 
and I was recently introduced to Swap.com, the world's largest online and consignment thrift store, and I realized how crazy it is how much we pay for new brand name clothes. And with Swap.com, you can save up to 90% off retail prices off your favorite brands like Lululemon, Carter's, Nike, J. Crew, Gap, whatever it is. Find it for cheaper on Swap.com. They have quality hand-inspected items added every single day. And if something doesn't fit, enjoy hassle-free returns within 30 days of your purchase. A special offer for our Locked On Dolphins listeners only. Get 35% off select items for your first order using promo code LOCKEDON. Again, one word, promo code LOCKEDON. Plus, find new deals every day on Swap.com's homepage. That's Swap.com, the world's largest online consignment and thrift store. We are into October. We are into the second month of the NFL season. The Dolphins enter this month at 3-1 and one atop the AFC East, but we have to go right back into that last segment here before we turn the page and take a look at the quarter poll for the Miami Dolphins. And I wanted to put a word out there on Dolphins quarterback Ryan Tannehill. And one of my big gripes, one of my big concerns with Ryan Tannehill is the slow starts because we talked about how it's been a thing with Adam Gaze, but it was also a thing going back to Joe Philbin, and it's officially a thing at this point and not just with Adam Gase. Coincidentally, I watched the game on Sunday with my brother and I usually watch those games alone. So it was different for me in that aspect. But I told him after one of Tannehill's early errant throws that he always seems to be shaky with accuracy to begin the football game. And this is a guy that is normally around an 82% passer in terms of being on target, well above league average. But for whatever reason, he doesn't start that way. It's like it takes him some time to settle into the flow of the game. And so in that last segment, I talked about ways to mitigate some of those issues that Miami is facing up front. And another one of those ways is to get Ryan Tannehill running the football early in games. Nothing shakes the nerves out like running around or maybe even taking a hit. Whatever it is, he has to find a way to get settled into games and start much hotter and get this football team out in front because the way this team is constructed with that defensive line rotation, they need a lead as we saw on Sunday as the Patriots ran the ball down their throats, taking advantage of their personnel groupings on that side of the ball. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's not it. I don't know. But Adam Gaze has to do something to shake things up because his play script is just not working and it rarely has. All right, this team is 3-1 and one atop the AFC East, and the second quarter of the season is on the way. Where does this team sit currently? Three things I want to look at. The roster construction, the schedule breakdown, and have I revised my personal expectations for this team, even though I had them at 3-1 and one heading into the fifth game at Cincinnati. Let's go ahead and start with the roster and looking at the offensive line where it's just totally banged up, and I don't really know where the solution is in regards to personnel. We talked about it in the first segment. They're going to have to find creative ways to get the offense humming without the offensive line playing at a high level because they just don't have the personnel to make that happen anymore. It falls on the coaching staff to somewhat reinvent themselves on that side of the ball. The tight end position is completely depleted at this point. I know Mike Gusecki has high hopes and high expectations down the road, but he still is a rookie that has only played four games in his career. They're going to have to find more creative ways to get the running backs involved. I would assume go with more two running back sets and get the ball to Kenyon Drake in the passing game because they have not done that at all this season. That has to change. On the defensive side, they're going to have to find more ways to create pressure, whether it's blitzing, whether it's winning one-on-ones with the four-man rush, because that secondary is not going to be as good without Bobby McCain and Minka Fitzpatrick kind of moving all around the formation. Rashad Jones hopefully getting back. The defensive side of the ball is not quite as banged up as the offensive side. Nonetheless, they're going to have to find a way to replace guys like William Hayes, 
Bobby McCain in the interim, and just get better play out of the linebackers in general. I wish I could sit here and tell you that I'm confident the coaching staff will overcome some of these issues they have in regards to injuries, but until they do it, I'm not really going to expect they will. As far as how the schedule breaks down, I think the Dolphins kind of get a bit of an advantage here as far as being injured at this point of the year. Anytime they play a home game, they have a great chance to win. They just play really good at home. This game against the Bengals, let's break it down into quarters here. You have Bengals, Bears, and Lions at home, then at the Texans for the next quarter here. And that one... I think you could find three wins in that four-game stretch. The Bengals game is going to be very difficult given the Dolphins' injuries and going on the road to face a very good Bengals team that really has a lot of strengths in areas where the Dolphins are not so strong. Those Bears and Lions games, you just have to win those. Those teams coming down south to Miami to play in really tough conditions for a team from the Midwest out there. They have to find ways to win those games. And now all of a sudden that Texans game seems more winnable because they're just not very good. They have a very, very thin roster, which is getting knocked out by injuries, as most teams do this time of year already. And then you go to the Jets, or home for the Jets, at the Packers, at the Colts, home for the Bills. Again, another quarter of the season where I think they could find three wins, so long as they win on the road at the Colts and take care of very bad Jets and Bills teams. And then the final quarter of the season puts you at home for the Patriots, on the road for the Vikings, at home for the Jaguars, and back on the road for the Bills. Only one of those games really seems favorable for the Miami Dolphins. If they can find a way to win two of those, they'll certainly have double-digit wins on the year. Even just one win, as long as they take care of business at home and in other situations earlier in the season, they can still find a way to get double-digit wins, which brings us into my revised expectations I'm not really ready to go that far because even though they are banged up right now, I always predicted them to lose at Cincinnati. That's going to be a tough game for this team in regards to how they match up. I still think they can get that tempo offense rolling and be much better on offense playing at home, which I think will be good enough to beat the Bears, Lions, and Jets at home, as well as the Bills later on in the season. And then they have the Patriots and Jaguars. So if they can get four out of those six, that puts you right at seven wins. Can you find three wins on the road against the Texans, Colts, and at the Bills? I think you can, so I'm sticking with 10 wins right now, still 10-6, and six, still a playoff team, probably the fifth or sixth spot in the AFC wildcard playoffs, but that's where my expectation changes. I thought this team would win a playoff game. Now I might back off that a little bit because I don't know if this team can go on the road in the playoffs and win a game, but I still have high expectations in regards to this team surprising everybody and finding their way into the postseason. So hopefully that is enough for you guys to kind of have some excitement going forward and put this loss behind you, put the injuries behind you. But as for today's podcast, guys, that is my time. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins and keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your Tuesday. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for a crossover edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Give us something to believe in.